Hi, I'm Erin Marcus, former corporate executive turned entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Conquer Your Business. Welcome to the Ready Yet podcast. We're excited to bring you more than 100 episodes of interviews and insights designed to help entrepreneurs get the financial and emotional freedom they need in order to build a business and a life they're proud of. All right. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ready Yet podcast, where we have Victoria Pelletier with us today. And I'm excited because you've been doing all this traveling, and we always love that. But I don't know. We got to catch up, so we might as well catch up and let everybody else listen to the conversation as well, right? All the cool things. Before we get into everything, why don't you tell everyone a little more formally who you are, what you do, all the cool stuff. All the cool stuff. All the cool stuff. No pressure. Everything has to be really cool. Okay. Well, so uh, (laughs) I am uh, a mom and a wife. I'm a 20 plus year C-suite executive uh, that has always had a multitude of side hustles. I am a fitness fanatic. Uh, I'm a foodie and love great wine. Uh, Those are the cool things in one big bucket. I also describe myself as a multi-potentialite given the very, very diverse interests that I have. Totally agree with that. Very diverse. I'll share you a quick story as we catch up here. So currently, as we record this, my boyfriend is off somewhere in the boundary waters in Canada, unreachable with what I call a canoe and a string. I'm assuming he's still alive, right? And so he zelled me 300 bucks. We live together, but I don't know why he did this. So he zelled me 300 bucks before he left. And I'm like, What's this for? Because he does all the cooking and he says that it's for food. I'm like, I don't need the money. I need the food. Right? <laughs> like, I have money. I need food. So what does he do? He goes off on his trip and I very quickly spent $250 of it on an online landscape design class and all these extra tools. And at 53 years old, I've been eating boxes of cereal since he left. But I have a really cool base map of a garden project now <laughs> to scale. <laughs> I'm very excited to show him when he's awesome. Back. So I totally get that multitude of interests. And I, you know, I want to dive into that for a second, if we would, because I think there's something that happens with entrepreneurs and business owners and speakers and thought leaders that we think we're supposed to be working 24 hours a day. Like, right? Like you feel like, and I think for moms it's even worse, right? You feel guilty when you're not doing your business, and then you feel guilty when you're not doing other things because we should be of varied interests. Like, how do you balance all that? I am. So I've had this saying for a long time that where there's conviction, there is capacity. And so, I mean, if you really want to do these things, like let's, let's stop making excuses. Now I say that, and I recognize there's still only 24 hours in a day uh, and one must sleep at some point. So for me, the conviction is if I decide that I want to do it. And for me, actually, that was having a executive career and being a partner and a mother as well. And so that meant there's trade-offs at times, but I made the choice to do that. And so for me, that was things like I was up super early in the morning to work out, fitness fanatic, as I said. So working out is a non-negotiable for me, get to the office. I tried to, if I wasn't traveling, tried to, you know, leave, um, to be home for dinner with the family. And then I worked online afterwards, you know, or the, 
you know, the passion projects that I have, or I tell people who maybe want to start um, a side business, maybe it'll eventually grow to their, their, their core day job. Like there's your nine to five, and then there's your five to nine. And so how you choose to spend that, if it's going to be Netflixing all night, well, then you're not going to be able to get around to some of those other things. So it's, for me, it's been about making the time and space for the things I have conviction or, or interest in doing, making some trade-offs at times, saying no to some things and learning to delegate or outsource others to be able to fit it all in. It's, you know, it's so true. It's like, and I love what you said about delegating or outsource other things, right? It's about living with intention. It's about deciding what I want to do instead of defaulting to what happens by habit, right? And knowing what to let someone else do so that you can fill your life with the things you actually want to do. Yeah. And a lot of people don't do that. No, I am for for me I choose not to do things that don't bring me joy either personally or professionally. So am I wrong in saying because I don't know any exceptions to this. You only get to that point through a catalyst. I don't think any of us grow up knowing to live like that. No, I think you're right and I think I I feel like I am fortunate to be able to do that. Uh because of age and maturity that have come. And so there's a lot right. of conflict yes. that comes yes. in my ability to say no or to delegate or outsource certain things. It is also come with a, you know, stage in life. There were, you know, I worked multiple, multiple jobs, all like I started working at age 11 uh, and all throughout university, et cetera. And, but I, I had to do that to force. So there's moments in time where you need mm-hmm. things you don't enjoy because you need to put, put food on the table or yeah. things that, you know, required for family. So you, to, to do that, you might not enjoy. So there are exceptions for sure to doing things that don't bring you joy. But again, I think maturity, confidence, money, there's things like all of those things have allowed me to be in a certain position to to be saying no and following the joy. One of the quotes I heard some years ago when I first started my business was spend some time living like nobody will so that you can live like nobody can. And I really, right. I mean, the trick is to not get stuck, right? Not get stuck in the grind. Yeah, I am. Um, I I literally just started listening this morning to the audiobook. I'm only two chapters in, so don't ask me too much. But Seth Godin's book, um, the uh, Song of Oh shoot, what's it called? Song of Influence. Uh, now I'm gonna have to Song of Significance. See, again, I, I knew I did this morning. But he he talks about um, bees uh, and these songs and the bees and the, and for me, this one was so powerful because he said. Every spring coming out of the winter, like queen bee plants a or or ha, sorry has a um you know uh, uh, egg for a new queen bee, and they all leave the hive and they go and find and try and rebuild, and so leaving the comfort zone to go and start again and build new, potentially building bigger, and so I think that's a choice we have, and so many people stay stuck uh, because it's comfortable because there's fear of the unknown. And I had, it's, it's so interesting how themes come up, right? I had this conversation with my dad of all people, and I don't even know how it came up that how many people stay in jobs and relationships miserable for years. Yeah. For years. 
Well, and, and there's, well, so, I mean, I'm, I'm second, two times married. First time was 11 years and to my ex-wife, I'm now married to a man, uh, but I stayed a lot longer with my ex-wife, even though she was my best friend. And, and so that was, it was hard because I loved her, wasn't in love with her, but we had two, well, she had one child who I was my stepdaughter. And then I gave birth to our two children together. And so the thought of leaving what was not a bad marriage, but I wasn't happy or fulfilled because of my children, because of my family. Um, and so that, that was a choice I made. So a couple of years extra, but there's people who are in horrific relationships. Horrific, right. Or, and I'm not or right. Jobs, and or jobs. And um, I've always and, thought that I probably give up a little, like I'll, I won't, I don't know. Some people call it strong boundaries and some people tell me, well, you're not trying hard enough, but like, this is my cut and dry. I don't know. It could fall on either side of the either side. So what are you doing with your, like, what is your, I know you do a lot of speaking. What is that message that you want to get out there? Cause I know it's kind of related to what we've been talking about, but what is that message that you really want to put out in the world? So it's, there are several messages and I'll tell you them in a second, but the reason I do it is because when I think about my life and my legacy, it's not going to be about the millions or billions of dollars I've made or saved the companies I work for. It's just not. I right. want my legacy and impact to be around how I've made the communities, the workplaces in the world a better place. And how how can I participate in that and help others with their journey? So that's that's my why. That's why I do it. And then what I speak on are things like overcoming adversity, how to be resilient to the career advice and advancement and development and the things I wish my 20 something year old self yeah. you know, would have known. And maybe some of these lessons I can share with these new early career um, leaders, save them some of the pain, um, you know, that I had too. speaking about leadership and culture. And one of the things I'm most, you know, committed to and advocate for is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I speak on all of these things, plus a couple of others, uh, but these are things that are really meaningful to make, again, individuals or our communities and our um, environment a much better well, place. And I think resilience is huge. Resilience is absolutely huge. And I think it's harder and harder to grow up and learn to be resilient when you grow up in an environment that has zero room for failure, right? That teaches only perfection. Like, how are you supposed to become resilient in an all or nothing environment? Well, I think I think there's a, and I had to learn this, I think there's a healthy way to be resilient. And I say, uh, and so I think it's a little bit, there, there's two parts to that. So for me, I'll say, you know, I've, I've experienced extreme trauma, adversity, challenge. And there's a little bit of me that's just, it's DNA, fight or flight. I'm a fighter. So I am resilient because of that. But it's also, I believe, like a muscle that you can develop. And so, although I had some element of that resilient, I wouldn't say I always did it in the most, health, most healthy way. Just packing up and compartmentalizing something that, you know, traumatic that's happened and not dealing with the emotions and not dealing with how it's going to impact me. That's not healthy. Right. So I think we need to do is to learn to one, be really clear around what is the goal or objective you're for, that you set for yourself and don't let anyone set it for you. You you're the CEO of you. You'll figure what out. So start with that. That's always becomes your anchor. 
And then the next is, and I'm not a big like vision board kind of person. It works for some people, but being incredibly self-reflective around why you feel, act, think the way you do, and then start to model the thinking, the language, the action, the behavior to take one, one step in front of the other progress to move towards that goal or objective. But lastly, giving yourself to your point, give yourself permission to fail. It's, we don't, we are not perfect. We are imperfect human beings. Uh, and then just process. That, yeah. And just, just go back to that. Okay. So permission to fail. What have I learned from this? Pick myself back up and anchor back on again. Where is it that I want to get, get to? And, and what I, I totally agree with you. And the other piece that I remind myself because I watch my language, right? Being an observer of my behavior, but being an observer of what I say is trying to get away from the idea that I have to fix my mindset. I have to fix my calendar. I have to fix my business. Like, because that implies that one, it's broken. And two, that at some point it'll be perfect and I won't have to worry about it anymore. Right. And what that does is it makes me believe that there's this imaginary date. <laughs> Everything's going to be easy, right? But that's not really how that works, right? So, to your point about self reflection, keeping that as part of your ongoing process instead of thinking of it as fixing a problem so that I don't end up one, keeping your, you know, you, you take your eye off the ball, you slip. We all do. And making yourself wrong in the process. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, though. And I think that. Some of this, again, I, I think comes with, you know, age and confidence, the ability to go, you know what, I don't know what I don't know. Um, and I'm going to stumble as a result of it, or maybe I'll make a mistake because I didn't know. And, that, and that's fine. I mean, I, I just think that level of humility and confidence, confidence to acknowledge that I actually think that's made me so much more successful in yeah. life period, not just business as a result of that. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Ready Yet podcast brought to you by Conquer Your Business. With decades of experience, Conquer Your Business creates business and branding strategies that build multiple six and seven figure businesses. And we don't just show you what to do. We have an entire team of people available to help you do it. Strategy and implementation. You can learn more and reach out to us by visiting conqueryourbusiness.com. I think the key we say there is confidence, right? Feeling safe enough to admit you're not perfect. I think there's a lot of people who are in different scenarios where that doesn't feel safe to them, right? For one reason or another, they're not in a position where they can ever see the vulnerability. I had a really hard time with that for a long time, thinking that there was strength in vulnerability. Oh, I, I agree with you. I was exactly the same way. I would never have shown that I was like a super like emotional, mushy individual. I was going to be all business all the time, not going to show vulnerability as a woman, um, as a young leader. There were a whole host of reasons why I wasn't going to do it. Uh, and it wasn't until probably almost into my 30s when I realized the power and strength, as you said, that comes from being vulnerable, from being authentic and showing our true selves. And I, you know, for some of us, it's, it's, in reaction to issues as childhood, in response to not wanting to duplicate what we see, we swing the other way, right? How far can the pendulum go in the other direction? And some of it's, you just don't know. You just don't know, right? We all 
even for me, like I grew up in Chicago, big city, 70s and 80s. I say people from 22 different countries. So you think you grew up in this great big world. And yet you realize you were just had your little tiny experience, (laughs) your little tiny experience. There's so much more out there. Going back to what you're saying about how so much of this comes with age and maturity and wisdom, I often think about what we teach people in school and how useless 90% of that is once you get a job and, and get out in the real world. And yet the stuff that we're talking about today, I don't know, you might prepare people for it, but can you really learn these things without, you almost have to experience your way through it. You can't theoretically plan for this. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's funny. I had done, I'd been interviewed for, I think it was for Forbes. I can't think, I think it was Forbes article around, you know, what is not taught for those who are going for an MBA mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, interpersonal skills, some of these communication skills, they don't, they teach you how to read, a, you know, a profit and loss PL statement, how to, you know, trouble shoot through a go-to-market strategy, all these things, but like what's really important. And for many of those people that going for their MBA, they are looking for the leadership roles, right? To be an effective leader, how to understand the organizational dynamics and politics and navigate through them, which a lot of that comes down to those interpersonal skills. That's not taught in school. No. No, and I had I was lucky in my MBA. We had um, one of our it, it was in I did a dual focus in marketing and executive leadership. And in that leadership class, we had a executive coach who was an amazing facilitator. And I always she always made me laugh because she would say one of her clients was NASA, mm. and if they had anybody that was showing any indication of leadership, they threw more money at developing that person. Because these are rocket scientists. They're not going to listen to anyone who's not smarter than them. And nobody's smarter than them, right? Nobody's smarter than them. So to find those leadership skills, that was, um, that always made me laugh when she taught us that. So what are some of the things, you know, from that week, I'm a big fan of lessening people's learning curves. So whether it's you want to share something personal in nature, business in nature, especially as a speaker, I work with a lot of um, a lot of the audience are small business owners and entrepreneurs who use speaking and thought leader credentials to grow their business. What are some of the things where you can share? Like, if you just don't do what I did, you'll be ahead of the curve. Well, so it's a little bit of what, you know, we've already you know, touched on Aaron. And so for me, I made a big mistake um, in my early executive career. So I was, I became an executive at age 24. I became the chief operating officer for a large outsourcing organization. And as the only woman and the youngest by a couple of decades, let alone the fear and insecurity that came with some of the things from my childhood, et cetera, I didn't, I didn't show up authentically. I got a nickname as the Iron Maiden. So I'm have been very effective at transforming businesses, turning around distressed businesses, making them more profitable and growing them. I've been called the turnaround queen. That's the positive side of that. But I'd say that people feared me versus following me because all business all the time, this mask, I wasn't showing insecurity, vulnerability. When I had to make the tough decisions, I didn't show them how difficult it was for me to do that. Um, And that was a big miss in terms of the relationships I built with my team, their ability to fully trust me and for us to, and them in particular, to follow me through the proverbial fire. And so 
I had to pivot and I had to change. I had to be reflective, self-reflective and look at the woman that stared back at me in the mirror and said, this isn't the type of person I would want to work for. And perception's a reality. I knew that wasn't actually me, um, but my, my turtle I have on my arm, a tattoo matching with my best friend. She calls me that tough exterior, all marshmallow inside. I needed to let the marshmallow out. I needed to let other people see that. And it didn't make me comfortable to start to open up, to start to be vulnerable. So I had to consistently do it, lean into what was making me uncomfortable until it became more natural and innate. And with that, I saw this tremendous change in the team and our dynamics. And it's kind of over, you know, used to talk about the family atmosphere, but, but for my second wedding, a ton of my employees came because we had developed that kind of a relationship, but it took many years of me hearing feedback, being really reflective, modeling the kind of actions and language that I, I knew I needed to, despite its discomfort, to move me to a place where I have this incredible like followership of employees, uh, many of whom I've worked with in multiple organizations now. Well, and what you're, you know, one of the, what you're talking about and what's, what I see out in the world is so much conversation around remembering that companies are made up of people, right? Businesses are made up of humans. And if you want a situation where your team can be their best, you have to create an environment where they're allowed the room to be human. Exactly. I talk a lot about human-centered or heart-centered leadership. And that's recognizing that we show up as our whole person every day. And so if we had a really crappy weekend or something happened, or there's some, some dynamic that is impacting your ability to perform as a leader, you need to recognize it, build a safe space. So someone is comfortable, you know, sharing uh, in all of that. And then also, and this is where I, I spent a lot of time talking about personal brand. That's really important. Building your brand early on. It's not just about the subject matter or industry for which you have expertise, but who are you as a human? Why do people want to do business with you? Because your people do business with people they like and they trust and they want to do business with. And people like often forget about that and think this amazing product or service will sell itself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, to put a block on the other side, the pendulum can swing too far the other way. Right. The pendulum can swing too far the other way because we have to remember that businesses exist to solve problems. And if nobody can make any money, the business goes away. And so while you have to remember and strive to create this environment where people get to be human, if you go too far the other way is where nothing gets done and everybody's right, like balancing human with almost enabling, right? Yeah. And, and I'm going to, I also think there's this, the recognizing there's a, there's a paradox that can exist Mm -hmm. as well. I think these last few years coming out of the, like in living in and coming out of the pandemic into this now just endemic state, recognizing that we, we made certain choices that, you know, we want to be aligned to work for, buy from companies that align with our, our mission, vision, our values. Yet, we're, we're going to compromise sometimes. And the greatest example I have is we buy gourmet dog food, yet we'll turn around and buy fast food for ourselves. Right. And so there's, it's, there's true. a lot of these like paradoxes that exist and that just goes back to us being human. And so how do you recognize that um, in, in business, treat people as humans that come with very different lived experiences, the 22 countries you talk about, but there's so much 
more intersectionality of the diversity that we could talk about how to recognize that and how they show up and how that's going to influence the you know how they engage how they perform in the workplace and not just for leaders but also how can you learn as an individual to behave this way as you right as you um navigate through your career like it goes from the top down, but it also goes from the bottom up. Like one of the things that has shocked me is all this quiet quitting and the great resignation. I'm 53 years old. I've quit every job I didn't like. So I didn't need a label and a social movement to tell me if I was miserable, I should go do something else. That if I was treated really badly and unfairly and not paid for the work I was doing, I should go somewhere else. Now, should things change and this not be an issue? Absolutely. But I'm only going to live so long. I'm not waiting for that to create my reality, right? Yeah. So you kind of got to go from both sides. The leadership can change, but you don't have to wait around for it, right? If yeah. you're in an environment where that's not the case. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's why I sign um, my a lot of my social media posts off with one of two or, or usually both hashtags. One is unstoppable. That's my life's philosophy, but the other one is no excuses. Yes. That is because we crappy stuff may happen to us, but we have a choice in terms of how we are going to respond and move forward. So exactly to your point, Aaron, like if you're in a really horrible, toxic workplace environment, you have a choice. You could, can you try and change it? Can you change leaders? Can you be the leader to drive an effect the, the culture within that organization. And if not, then leave then and leave. stop bitching about it. Like, so right, the marketplace, up. right. If everyone would just do that, the marketplace would solve that problem. Right? <laughs> the marketplace, would, right. The open market kind of solves that problem. Right. And I, I call that give yourself a break, but don't let yourself off the hook. Right. Like give yourself a break because don't beat yourself up over it, figure it out. But that doesn't mean you let yourself off the hook. Right. You, so speaking of social media, and I know you're out there with your content and how um, impactful it is. So how do people follow you, get a hold of you, make sure that they're staying in touch with you to get more of these ideas and how they can influ be influenced by them? Well, the one stop that can link you out to everywhere is my website, which is victoria-peltier.com. And from there, you can link out to preferred social media platform. Although as my youngest tells me, I'm clearly old because I'm still on Facebook <laughs> and I'm not on TikTok. So you won't find me on TikTok, but you will find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I, I, TikTok is my place for baby goats, mini cows, right? It's, it's my safe space. It's, it's not about my business. It's not about the, the algorithm knows. I don't want to see anything in, I just want baby goats and mini cows, right? And wildlife photography and dogs, right? I'm very, that's my little escapism. So yes, we will make sure to put that link in the show notes so people can follow you, connect with you, do all the things. Thank you for sharing your stories and your insights and your ideas. Cause um, we're all human. Like we need this message out in the universe that you can do it right and still achieve things. This is not one or it's not one or the other. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I love Thank it. you so much. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ready Yet podcast. I truly enjoy bringing these stories of success and inspiration to you. Please join us in our mission to empower entrepreneurs to be in charge of their businesses and in charge of their lives by sharing this with anyone you know who would benefit from our tactical and motivating advice, leaving us a review, and letting us know if there are any particular topics you would really appreciate hearing about. See you next time.